Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 491 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Roberto Pettigini. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, everyone's favorite, Nate. How are you, Nate? I don't, I don't know about everyone's favorite. I'm probably someone's favorite. Not our mom, Nate. not our dad. But somebody. I was going to say, your parents, you're their favorite. There's no question. <laughs> There was a time that it was when I was just a baby. <laughs> Chad, I am doing wonderfully. It's beautiful weather here in Virginia. Um, the, the guys put a couple wins together. I'm ready to talk about it. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, happy to be talking about the Reds again. And, and you're right. There for a while, it looked like this was going to be a, a downbeat, you know, uh, sort of a downtrodden episode of the Riverfront. Because it wasn't a great week, uh, and, well, great ten days really. But uh, some some light comes out of the, the darkness here in the last couple of days. Before we get into that, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and smash the subscribe button. Do not just press the subscribe button, okay? Don't uh, click on it. You have to smash it, otherwise it doesn't count. So just if you're not going to smash it, just forget about it. Go subscribe to some other dumb youtube channel if you're listening to the audio version they come out every single week not just every week if you subscribe to this audio uh version of it in your favorite podcast app whether that be spotify apple podcast um outcast that's my favorite then uh, you get it delivered to your show go deliver your east with your every single week and of course uh not only that you get the uh late night reds like that Reds talk uh, show delivered to you every Sunday night. So anyway, um, so the, the week was not great <laughs> to begin, Nate. The Reds were, of course, after uh, losing two out of three to Milwaukee before the All-Star break. Since we last podcasted, the Reds were swept by Milwaukee at home, lost the first two against San Francisco, that's the Giants, at home. It was a six-game losing streak in the first five games of that losing streak, the Reds scored a total of five runs. And at that point, the Reds dropped to second place, two games out. Now, we don't want to dwell too much on that, but that was a rough stretch. And some people, not you and I, although maybe we wavered a little bit, some people uh, use that as an opportunity to say what they've been waiting to say. Ah, oh, this team's not for real. This team is a frauds were the term, term that was used in my Twitter uh, comments a couple of times. Um but where were you, Nate? What were you thinking after that? It, was a, you know, it wasn't a fun time because what we had enjoyed all season was the offense and disappeared on us somehow. Yeah, for me, the problem was less the losses as it was the extremes of the highs from the win streak and where we were heading into the All-Star break to the lows that followed. You have that little, you know, the All-Star week and all of the momentum, all of the energy, all the enthusiasm is just gone and you're hoping it's still there when you get back you know these breaks are they're great i would imagine for a lot of older players that need a rest want to get down there get a little sunshine hang out with the family but some of these young guys that don't need the recovery i bet they want to just get out there and keep on hacking and it seemed like um if they did take some vacations they might have a couple two margaritas on the ocean because it took them a little while to catch up and one thing that i like to think about is think about joy Votto. Think about how in tune he is with his swing. Taking a week off and losing that timing is a huge deal. And that's got to be true for all these guys. I mean, look at all those scores. The Brewers weren't putting up tons of runs either. So 
it was tough. I never wavered. This team wasn't as good as and they weren't going to win every game the rest of the season. They weren't going to win 75% of their games like they did in June. But they're not as bad as that losing streak either. They got back on the right track, had a chance to win a lot of those games. And I'm just as pumped as I ever was. Still having a good time over here. Yeah, you know, something that I say often, a lot of, it's not, I didn't make this up. It's not just me saying this. A lot of people say this, but I think it's always a good way to look at your team. It's this. A team is never as good as they look at their best, and they're never as bad as they look at their worst. It's somewhere in between. We saw the Reds' best during that uh, long winning streak. Uh, we saw some of the worst here recently. And uh, so the, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. The Reds, are, as we record this, are six games over 500. They're two and a half out of the division lead. And I, here's my question to you, Nate. Is, were, you, how, were you surprised it was the pitching that kept the Reds even close in those games? Instead of the, that's the part that blew my mind. Yeah, we've got to be, right? I'm assuming my theory about the bats needing that timing, at, uh, that extra time is, is true because the Reds had, what, the second worst team ERA in the majors, like second or third or something like that. But that kind of carries, it kept them close. I mean, they were honestly just a couple of timely hits and a couple of untimely base running blunders from taking as many as four of six in those two Brewers series. So, yeah, I mean... Graham Ashcraft looks back. Go look at his numbers, his last four starts. Looking fantastic. You know I can talk about that all day. Uh, five runs allowed total in his last four. Andrew Abbott had a had a little blip on his radar, but back to shoving today. I think that just kind of like what you just said, even the pitching isn't as bad as what we've been seeing, except for maybe Luke Weaver. Yeah, he's even worse somehow, and the Reds keep winning those games. Um, so anyway, the uh, I think what you said is an important point. Which is that even though in the, that six game losing streak, the, the games are more close. I mean, you know, uh, and that was the function of the pitching keeping them in there. But it's, it's not like the Reds were getting destroyed and all of a sudden they were exposed as frauds. So, and then of course uh, the last two games, the Reds. Uh, well, first of all, the, the sixth game of that losing streak, the Reds scored ten runs. So, uh oh, the offense is back. Happy learn to putt. And then uh, game three, Wednesday night. Um, the Reds uh, snapped the losing streak with a 3-2 win versus the Giants. And all I have to say is Will Benson is uh, the GOAT. Home run, a three-run home run. Uh, it's only four hits in that game, but three-run home run. And the Reds win. Will Benson, and I guess, you know, you already you already talked about it, but uh, with we're going to discuss the pitching here in a moment. And the, the Reds have to get pitching. But, boy, just seeing Graham Ashcraft once again coming out and – it, it seems like every start is getting a little bit closer than what we saw before when you fell in love with him and when I thought he was a fraud. Um, and so, I, I don't know, I just, his last start, uh, just to me, that was, again, it made me take a deep breath and say, okay, the Reds have lots of problems in the rotation, but thank goodness that it doesn't appear Ashcraft is going to continue mm -hmm. to be one of those. So go there, ahead, I'll let you wax poetic. Yeah, there are a couple pretty... Glaring statistics. It's the uh, always been the book on Graham Ashcraft. Throws a lot of ground balls. His ground ball streak or percentage during that little rough patch he hit is 10 percentage points lower than it was before and what it's been in his last four starts. So he's he's got that third pitch again, which he kind of went away from. He said he lost the feel for it. I didn't pitch, so I don't understand how that works. Maybe Carlos could tell us. But he seems to have figured out whatever it is. And think about the outlook of this team if – he is truly back, and Andrew Abbott keeps doing Andrew Abbott things. 
Okay, yeah, they still need pitching. They still need pitching in a really, really bad way. I, I was wondering where you were going with that. If Hunter Green comes back as Max Serger and Nicolola comes back as Justin Verlander, then they're uh, fine. Never mind. <laughs> they're better than, I guess, that we feared they could have been if they have those two guys, but right now that's really all they have. Um, but mostly, I don't want to stop these rants before we talk more about Will Benson. Can we talk about Will Benson, please? We're just about on a two-month sample size of him being freaking awesome. He's a dude. I think he is a legitimate, legitimate dude. And, and, and the best eight, nine hitter in the league, you know, he's constantly hitting the bat at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. And again, today, you know, we'll talk about, um, we talked about yesterday when he hit that home run, but today, two for three, he had a couple of doubles. Um, he's hitting 289, 915 OPS now. Um, had another walk. The guy, he gets on base. He mm-hmm. frankly should be the leadoff hitter on this team if we're, if we're being serious. Um, and I presume David Bell's being serious, but he disagrees with me on that point right now. But uh, yeah, is he is he real? I, who knows what real is for him? A player is similar to the team. They're not as good as they look at their best, not as bad as they look at their worst. But I see no reason to believe Will Benson, who came with a pedigree, first-round pick, who has legit tools. He clearly can get on base. He clearly has the power. He's clearly athletic. He's a guy, and he's, he's one that can be added to this young core that maybe – we didn't expect. And that's kind of goes back to the theme of the year, which is everybody is actually turning out to uh, hit their, you know, 75th, 80 percentile, what they could have been. It was some of these players that may be way more than that. I think Matt McClain's probably been better than anyone expected he could have been. But yeah, Benson, I, I, I don't know what to say. I've been telling you guys, Will Benson is the real deal. And finally, I was correct about one thing. Yeah, we talked about the outfield being a huge, huge uh, point of emphasis that this team needs to address. And I think they do still need a reliable right-handed bat unless Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to play a corner spot. But, you know, at least one-third of that outfield is not as big of a concern as it was a month ago, two months ago. Well, before the season, I mean, if we're going to be honest, it looked awful. The outfield looked awful. And in the meantime, you have Will Benson. You have uh, Spencer Steer, who's now playing uh, a Mm -hmm. lot of outfield. You have T.J. Friedel, who should have been an all-star. Uh, and that's not even to mention uh, Rick Fraley, who has been uh, healthy, number one, which he never has been before, and has been performing better than could have been expected. So, yeah, it went from being like the weakness on the team uh, into into the strength. Um, go ahead. You, you're going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say a lot of a lot of what I'm trying to get at in this little early part of the show is this team's still good. I'm still having a ton of fun. I'm still glued to the TV every single night. Don't let that skid confuse anybody. This team is as fun as any I've ever watched. I thought that's a very good point. And, and I'm glad you made that here early on because there were a lot of people, you know, six game losing streak really caused a lot of people to check out. And I get it. This team's been awful, or this franchise has been awful for so many years. They've broken your hearts uh, every single year. I wrote a piece uh, last week that said, Is this team going to break your heart? And I said, And my, my response was, I really don't care if they break our hearts, quote unquote, like previous teams have, because they've been so much fun. They're going to continue to be fun. And if they don't make the playoffs or if they finish, you know, if they, if they fade at the end of the season and finish in third place or something, I don't care, frankly. They're still fun. But I, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. I think they're, if you look at the standings right now, it's basically a two team race. I mean, the Cubs are what, eight games out, something like that, in third place. Um, the Cardinals and, and Pirates are uh, are way behind, and, and Cardinals evidently looking to looking to sell some guys, so maybe not even attempting to, to Don't stay in this race. I think they've won well, five in, five in a row as recording. So 
They have, but they're stupid voodoo magic. <laughs> and and maybe maybe they will change their minds because right now 2022 20, teams probably can talk themselves into thinking they have a ch- shot, which is why we'll talk about the trade deadline deadline here in a little bit. But that's why I think it's gonna be a little difficult for the Reds to do anything, is because so many teams think they're in the race still. But um, but no, the Reds are still good. They're not. They're not. Are they, are they again the greatest team in the league? Eh, probably not. Um, but they might be. They're certainly the most fun team. What I like about them is that they're must-see TV. And that hasn't been the case for a long, long time. And you know, Chad, if you are going to watch the Reds, it might be nice to do it at Great American Ballpark. And uh, I'm pretty pumped to say that we have a new sponsor. The Geeks of the Seats. Seat Geek is working with the Riverfront. Love it. Uh You can use the code Riverfront for $20 off your first order. We couldn't be more pumped. Um, you know, those guys bring you the best prices on the simplest, most easy-to-use ticket platform out there. Baseball, basketball, concerts, you name it, they got it. And if you're familiar with stoplights, you're familiar with their program, they get a 0-10 to 10 score, and to let you know if you're getting a good deal or bad deal, and green means good, and red means bad. So much like most of the Cincinnati Reds teams of our lifetime, red means bad. Stay away from those seats. <laughs> So, yeah, click the link in the description to download the app. Remember the code Riverfront, one word, Riverfront, to get 20 bucks off. 20 bucks, man. Tickets at Great American Ballpark. Not expensive. That's a steal. So, shout out to SeatGeek. We're pumped. Thanks for sponsoring. Use them, buy them, love them. That's all I got. Nate, I've never used SeatGeek. May may I also use this code? For your first purchase, absolutely. And we might have something to announce relatively soon that would allow you to purchase said tickets. That's where I'm going, and maybe some others would like to purchase a ticket to be there. Uh, well, anyway, we'll get ahead of ourselves. Maybe next week we'll, we uh, we need to plan to drop that hmm. big news next week, Nate. Ah, keep them listening. Leave them wanting something. Last thing I want to say about the uh, games this week, um, you did mention Andrew Abbott, but today, Andrew Abbott, and, and again, the Reds split the series with the Giants. Thanks to winning the last two. And today with a 5-1 win, Andrew Abbott, eight innings pitched, one hit. He uh, gave up no runs, six strikeouts, two walks. He's ERA now. He's 5-2. and two. His ERA is 2-10. And I, I don't know what else we need really to say about him, but he continues to dazzle. And just, I, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've ever seen a Reds rookie look like this. And the Reds, you know, we, we talk so much about Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft as rookies. But they struggled, and Abbott's going to struggle. But his struggles mm-hmm. this year have been just uh, like you called it earlier—a blip on the radar. So anyway, exciting, really happy for Andrew Abbott. For- I love that he said after the, in his post game that he uh, didn't feel like he had his best stuff today. <laughs> he thinks <laughs> one hit ball to not get it done better. Also worth pointing out, the Giants—one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Giants have been on a heater. They are a really good ball club. So if you're feeling down after a you know a tough tough sweep, don't get me wrong—it was tough against the Brewers. Splitting two out of four against a red-hot Giants team is nothing to be upset about. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So uh, let's move on to some of the other news, and maybe the biggest news, frankly, of the week. We kind of buried it here. You mentioned his name briefly earlier, but after that Milwaukee series where the Reds are swept, Cincinnati promoted Christian Encarnacion Strand. CES, that's what the kids call him these days. Christian Encarnacion Strand. Christian Encarnacion Steer, steer. <laughs> as someone called him this spring, and no one lets him forget. Uh, so anyway, after that street uh, sweep at the hands of the Brewers, Kevin Newman goes to the uh, injured list with 
gastritis. I would encourage you not to look up what gastritis is. And uh, rest in peace, Kevin Newman. I hope you're okay. Hope you're hope your large intestines okay. So anyway, um, Christian Encarnacion Strand destroying the ball in, in the minor leagues. Uh, a little bit of a, a rough stretch there at one point, but basically since he got back from his injury, destroying the ball. And what did you think, number one, of your first look at uh, Encarnacion Strand? And also, where does he fit? Um, my first look tells me that the whatever concerns they had about bringing him up sooner were founded. think the guy did need to practice a little bit of plate discipline. He mm-hmm. did, and he got good at it. And it turns out he doesn't need it. <laughs> he hasn't <laughs> walked yet. He, I hate you putting the word tool behind anything. He's got a good pitch tool. He's got a good hit tool. But what, that's a hit tool is just a bat. It's a tool you used to hit. <laughs> but whatever a hit tool is, he's got it. Um, they talked about it today in the, in the radio broadcast how there was a ball down and away that most players just swing, and they swing through, and they whiff at, and they reach for, and he just crouches down, gets his head close to the to the ball, and he rakes it, and it's a line drive RBI. Um, he makes this about as scary of a one through nine as I've ever seen. And as for where he fits, I personally love the plan that they're talking about doing where just one guy gets a day off. Every game, and they'll just rotate 10 above average league hitters day to day. I love it. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. You have enough flexibility in terms of where players play on this team, uh, and specifically with Spencer Steer being able to move around, um, you know, being able to play around with the DH now that you can do that. And there's no question in my mind uh, uh, that uh, the kid can hit. Now, whether I, def- defense, we're going to see. I think my, my prediction is he's a, he's a designated hitter uh, long term. Uh, maybe first baseman, but I, I wouldn't expect more than that. But the fact is he can hit, and his bat was, was, was what's going to keep him in the big leagues. And his first home run, man, just drilled it upper deck. Um, uh, I'm glad he's here. He crushed it. And just easy power, this guy. Just absolutely uh, destroys baseballs. And there was a good stat that um, that I saw. And I think our, uh, our friend uh, Matt Wilkes, had this uh, maybe on Twitter or somewhere. But anyway, over the last two seasons, Encarnacion Strand has a, has had 111 extra base hits. No minor leaguer at any level had more than that. And uh, among minor leaguers with at least 500 plate appearances in the last two seasons, last year and this year, he's first in slugging percentage, second in OPS, third in uh, weighted on-base average, and sixth in weighted runs created plus. Some fancy nerd stats. But um, the long and the short of it is, this you probably only started paying attention. I'm not saying you, Nate. I'm saying just the average listener probably started paying attention when he when he joined the Reds. Uh, he's the real deal. He's not a you know flash in the pan here. He is another one of these guys that is just living up to uh, the best hopes for what he could be. And man, it's exciting to watch that guy. He's like good and stuff. <laughs> um, and, and I guess can I, let me just say this because I want to talk about one of these other people that are moving around. Uh, the the uh, the lineup like you talked about that I think we really need to have a conversation about. But we probably at some point need to really do a deep dive on uh, the, the trade where Encarnacion Strand came over to Cincinnati. Uh, we've already praised general manager Nick Crawl for the things he did last, last year. 
Uh, August 2nd, I think, is when the trade was com uh, consummated. Uh, Tyler Malley went to Minnesota, and he's uh, unfortunately had injury problems. So that makes this, uh, from the Reds' perspective, look a little bit better. But the Reds got Spencer Steer in that deal. You know he, how good he's been. They got Christian Encarnacion Strand. You know how good he is. They got a guy named Steve Hajar. Hayar. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name because he was barely here because the Reds flipped him around. Nick Carl turned him around and sent him to Cleveland along with uh, Justin Boyd, Cincinnati's 2022 second round pick. And they got Will Benson. <laughs> so, you know, Tyler Malley plus Justin Boyd delivered Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Will Benson. I got to tell you, tip of the cap to uh, to Nick Crawl for that bit of business because that is good, good, good stuff. I just wanted to mention that. If we fast forward five years and those three players are still on the trajectory that we think they they can be, man, we're gonna look back at that as one of the all time best pieces of business by any general manager of all time. I mean, it really is going to be in Reds. It's in Reds history. It's going to go down. That's one of the best. Now, so you mentioned that the Reds are going to have to, be, have to be creative. David Manager, David Bell will have to be creative in terms of who's going to be in the lineup, how they're going to be in the lineup, when they're going to be in the lineup. And it was not lost on many observers that the Reds finally broke the winning streak and Jonathan India was out of the lineup that day. And uh, so so when I, we were, I was preparing our, our outline for what we want to discuss, my question was, is it time for this discussion about India? And the reason I said that is Jonathan India has been pretty much not good for, for it's going a while now. I, I went back to May 30th. So we're talking, you know, seven weeks basically. 202 batting average, 284 on base, 381 slugging. So 665 OP, uh, OPS during that time. And most of which that time he's batting third. They finally got dropped to fifth. Uh, in the in the order, and so uh, it seems like he grounds into a double play every night. It's the, the longest extended stretch of uh, poor performance in his career. Now, of course, he comes back today and uh, goes two for four with a double uh, run scored and an RBI back in the order, hitting fifth again in the Reds' win. But um, we've sort of danced around this all year, and, and it's probably a discussion that's going to have to happen in the off season a little bit, but. Where does Jonathan India fit going forward? I mean, we've praised his uh, his attempt at leadership, and I think I do think no question this team has taken some cues from him as we've talked before. His enthusiasm, uh, his leadership—I think it's a real mm -hmm. thing. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's been pretty bad for quite a while now. While the Reds have been good, so maybe that makes it look even even worse. Uh, where are we on Jonathan India right now? I got a couple thoughts, but first, um, Seth Shaner. One of our, uh, our our patrons had a question that asked this exact thing. So let's, let's read that out here and knock out two birds with one stone. As always, these are Do questions it. that come from patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy, where you too can join the Riverfront family. Seth asks what to do about Jonathan India. Going into the dark world of Red's Twitter is maddening. Truth, Seth. A certain segment of that dreaded group would have you believe it's blasphemous to suggest India shouldn't bat third or maybe should get a few days off. Another part of that world would say dump him after a bad stretch. Can it be true that a person could appreciate what India has meant to this team while also seeing that perhaps there are lineup combinations that could work better without him out there? Or at a minimum, with him lower in the lineup. And that's it for me. Last episode, I was championing Jonathan India as the team MVP for the, for the swagger and the energy that he brought to this team. Confidence. 
that hasn't changed for me. I mean, the guy has a 753 OPS. He's been, he's been, he's been pretty good. He, he's not a bad baseball player. He's had a rough stretch, for sure. But it's all amplified by the fact that David Bell refused to bat him anywhere but third. I think he leads the universe in grounded double plays. That doesn't happen as much when you're batting in the 7, 8, and 9 hole, typically. So I think these conversations are a waste of time, and they could be easily addressed by better lineup construction by David Bell, which is something we've been harping on all season for loads of different reasons, whether it's Kevin Newman batting leadoff, Jonathan Indy batting third, not leadoff. There's too many weapons on this team. There are too many opportunities to knock runs in, and I don't think it's going to mess with this team's mojo to say, hey, so-and-so has the hot hand right now. We're going to bat him, bat him higher in the lineup. Jonathan India, you're going to work through it down the A-hole. Provide a spark uh, down there. Did you just call Jonathan India an A-hole? Eight-hole? Eight-hole? What? Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. You know, uh, if you look at his numbers on the year, they're roughly average. Okay, even though he's had this bad stretch, his numbers are still roughly average with the bat. Now, uh, we have to concede he's not exactly a gold glove uh, caliber That's defensive true. player. That's true. But, but still, he's not he, He's not all. He's not a bad player. And uh, I would actually even say I would rather have him at leadoff, frankly, um, than, than where he's been batting because it is an absolute fact. It's a proven fact. It's science, Nate, that when he's uh, leading off, his approach is different. He draws way more walks. He sees way more pitches than when he's hitting third or fifth in the order. And if you look at his on-base percentage for the year, it's 335. So even with this rough stretch, that's not a bad uh, on-base percentage. And in the – I probably should have looked it up, but what am I going to do, prepare for this show? Um, in the leadoff spot, it's it's way better than that. So, I, I, yes, I think move him down or move him up one way or the other, but he's not a middle-of-the-order hitter. And and if he were ever a middle-of-the-order middle hitter for this team, it's not now that we have all these young studs surrounding him. The, the time that's- has passed. Yeah, that's a really good point. He was our number three hitter when we didn't have anybody that we knew could hit the ball. He was the only established major leaguer, him and Tyler Stevenson. And they've been our two worst regular hitters. We just have a ton of talent right now, and David Bell needs to adjust along with that talent. You're bringing up science. You're bringing up facts. You know what else is a fact? Jonathan India cannot hit into a double play with nobody on and no outs in the top of the first inning. True, but he could hit into a double play with Will Benson and TJ Friedel on base if he's leading off and the eight nine guys get on base. <laughs> That's very true. Hashtag could Will he? Benson in the leadoff spot. Love it. Oh man, that that's that's my call. That's that's what I would do. So, all right. So, uh, trade deadline, Nate. We want to talk about the trade deadline just a little bit. I guess we kind of had to, right? It's been it's been lingering over this season for different reasons all season long. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. Obviously, last year's trade deadline worked out uh, swimmingly for the old red legs. And so, you know, this is the topic of discussion because the trade deadline is upon us here. We're, we're what, a couple weeks away from uh, less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. And the Reds have an opportunity to hopefully improve their team. And so I wanted to point to a, a piece that I thought was pretty good that I would suggest you go and uh, and read. And it's at Reds Content Plus. It's by uh, Steve Mancuso, and he basically says the Reds, the title of it, the Reds front office must seize this opportunity. And it's a very well thought out piece. I like it very good. I agree with uh, almost everything there, but he touches on to begin 
to begin with something that I wanted to, to lead this discussion with, because this is something that people were very passionate about in my mentions over the last week. The Reds should stand pat because they are, quote, ahead of schedule. They are ahead of schedule. They weren't expected to be. So why would they? They don't need to. They don't need to mortgage the future because they're ahead of schedule. Can someone please, dear Lord, someone explain to me what that means? They are ahead of schedule. It's the most asinine thing anyone has ever said to me. And if, if you're listening now and you said that to me, go delete your tweet. Just go delete it because um, someone's going to be searching for it and they're going to call you really bad names. And you don't deserve that because you're just a Reds fan. Okay. You're misguided maybe. But ahead of schedule, what, what are we even talking about here? The Reds are in the midst of a pennant race. They have a shot at winning the division. Whose schedule? What is this schedule that everyone's talking about? I don't know. I don't get it. It's driving me insane. I have come up with a new rule for being on Twitter. Because I'm, I'm pretty new to Twitter. I think I got, I got into Twitter like late in the 2021 season. And now anytime my body temperature starts rising, I just, I just, I just log off. So I'm not, not spending a lot of time on Twitter these days is what I'm saying. <laughs> but you got to make a run at it. I feel like folks have just forgotten what it feels like to have a good team in the playoffs. I'm not talking about that 2020 no fans, crappy team nonsense where they snuck in because of COVID. I'm talking about a buzzing city, rocking GAP, GABP, me running through the streets with a buzz on and my shirt off, just going nuts. That's what I want. Is that too much to ask? Uh, but it's serious, not too much to ask. A serious question is, though, all these prospects that these guys – don't want the Reds to trade. I want. I would like to see all of them go through. Tell me which ones you want to keep. Tell me which ones you really love. Where are you going to play them? Because the Reds have Will Benson, Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, and some other rookie that I'm forgetting about at the moment under contract until 2029. Where are you going to play these guys? You got to do something. Fill it around the edges. Get the pitching. Get some pieces. Let's make a run at this thing. Because playoff baseball is as exciting as, as sports gets. I've never been a fan of the English Premier League like you, so I don't know. But playoff baseball is all I've got, and I've yeah. not—I haven't got to experience experience it really in 13 years. I was gone for one. 13 years for me. That's crazy. No, uh, this ahead of schedule nonsense. Just to, to uh, put that one in the in the garbage can, the dustbin of history. Uh, before the season, there was a, a schedule that, that not only we had in mind for this team, but it's clear that the uh, Reds front office had it, had it in mind. Nick Crawl didn't get any pitching before the season, none. And I think he should have at least gotten some competent major league pitchers because you still have to play 162 major league games, even if you're not expecting to win. Um, but it changed because all these kids were way better, way earlier than expected. So that schedule where you think this year, 2023 is a sort of a transition year. And frankly, my idea there was probably 2024, at least part of it was a transition year. And then maybe later in the year, the kids are all fully integrated and you kind of see where the holes are. And then you go into 2025 and you really start filling those holes. Okay. Well, toss that in the garbage. Forget about that quote unquote schedule. It's not the schedule anymore. Whatever you think the schedule was back in March, it's completely irrelevant. What we have now is a team where a lot of these kids have gotten better, quicker, and where you have a division 
That's straight garbage. And so you can't pick and choose when you're going to be, uh, you know, competitive, when you're going to have a chance. Uh, just ask the Padres. Just ask the Mets, who spend all kind of money and, and think they're going to be great. Um, things happen in baseball, and especially in Cincinnati, where you have ownership that's uh, not always committed to success, frankly, uh, and almost never. Well, they've never been fully committed to success, but um, you have to take these opportunities when you get it because they don't come around that 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 uh, often. So, yes, the Reds need to, uh, to to go for it. Yes, the Reds need to seize the opportunity, as Steve said in that in that piece. Um, I just I think it's I think it's obvious now. What does that mean? I don't know because, uh, as I said earlier, a lot of teams are still think they have a shot. So who knows whether they get anything done? But there's there's literally, and I, I want to be very clear about this. There is literally no reason that the Reds can't do something big if they want to do something big. They have the money. Even Nick Crawl said they, they have some flexibility with, in terms of payroll, but they slashed payroll to the ground before the season. They have flexibility. They have one player signed to a contract past this season. One player. So um, you, can't, you can't make the argument that you can't do with money. You don't have enough money to go out and, and spend to acquire somebody. You also can't make the argument that you don't have prospect, prospect capital of trade. You do. Trade them. Trade them all as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. I mean, uh, get some people in here that are going to – you know, somebody said the other day, I saw it on, on Twitter. I should, again, I'm going to get on a rant here, but they said that – I can't remember who the pitcher was, but somebody that the Reds would have had control of for this year and two more years. And someone said they wouldn't trade Chase Petty for them. And uh, I don't even know if that person followed me or not, but I went ahead and blocked him because – that's outrageous. That's outrageous. You wouldn't you wouldn't trade a kid that's in what a ball for someone that can is a proven big leaguer already. Chase Petty may be great. We don't know. Give me some proven big leaguers. That's all I'm saying. There's all right. I, well, I got off on a rant there. When you're when you're driving to the beach, you know you got a, you got a long road trip with the family ahead of you. You're tired. The kids are making noise in the back seat. Stopping for bathroom breaks all the time, and the GPS says you're going to get there at 3 p.m. and you're just ready. You're ready to get there, and suddenly your route changes a little bit. It updates and says you can save an hour by going this other way. <laughs> yes. What are you going to do? You're going to say screw that and just pull over on the side of the road, wait an hour. It's like I'm supposed to get there at three. Three o'clock is the time. That's the only time. No, you take the other route. You get there at two o'clock. You enjoy an extra day on the beach, the sunshine, the waves with your family, and you think. You're lucky stars that you had a chance to do. That's what the Reds need to do. A couple other good points that I uh, from that article and cannot recommend enough. It was fantastic. Some of that extra money they have is because they were expecting, um, you know, that Bally wasn't going to pay up, Bally Sports, but they did. So they got that money back. The value in getting this young roster some playoff experience. I think that is something that's difficult to quantify. That could be huge for this team going forward. When you have control of these guys for this long, get them a little taste, get them a little nibble or more because who knows what happens once you get there. And then the last one is that Nick Crawl has proven that he does know how to identify talent. He's done it with big league pitching. He got Luis Castillo. He got Trevor Bauer. He got Lucas Sims, Sonny Gray, like, if, if you're a, if you're a crawl guy, there's plenty of reason to want him to go out and target some guys. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I guess well, the only thing I would say is I wouldn't give him full credit for some of those guys. Uh, Dick Williams is around, but Crawl's part of that team. And um, but but I think I also want to sort of go back to something you said a moment ago and look at it from a little bit of a different angle. 
um, the, the the fiscal angle. What you said about giving these guys a taste, 100% agree with you. 100% agree. But if the ownership here had one ounce of awareness of what's going on, first of all, you saw what happened when the Reds started to play well. Fans came back. Okay, the, the, the crowds were there. If the Reds were to make a playoff run here this year, even if they flame out in the first round or whatever, if they made a playoff run here and these young, exciting guys got in and if they if they went out and actually acquired people at the deadline to make that, uh, make that run, I don't think you can – it's hard to quantify in terms of dollars that will go in the pockets of the stupid Castellini family and the other ownership, it, it's, it makes so much sense to yeah. the bottom line of this franchise going forward because you want to know what season tickets are going to look like next year if you, if you actually try at the uh, trade deadline this year and if you actually make a run and these young guys are coming back next year, the excitement will be as, it'll actually be as high as any in probably since 91. I don't know that it would have been more excitement about a Reds team since then. Maybe, you know, maybe you could say 2000, you know, um, 11 or something where they kind of vomited on all over themselves. But I, I just think it makes all the sense in the world to go for it. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important point to make. How many times have you talked about how your son as now sitting down watching the Reds play? He's texting you about the Reds. How many people are like th this younger generation that has been lost? You talk about it all the time. They, they, they still lost a generation, but they really have a chance with guys like Ellie De La Cruz to capture another generation that that I didn't think this was possible, but they do have the chance to do it. And that's money that's going to be spent for 50 years. Right. Yeah. Which how they short, won't get to spend if they sell the team, but it's neither here nor there. How short-sighted would it be? This is actually, I, I, I'm going to say something here that is just now occurring to me just a little bit. Uh, how short-sighted would it be for the Reds not to go for it here? And um, but when I say that, I have to concede one point, which is that the biggest problem, I'd say the biggest problem with the Castellinis uh, over the years has been they won't stick to a plan. <laughs> they just change their minds on a dot and go some different direction. And here, what am I doing? I'm calling for them to change their quote unquote plan. Um, because if they stick to their plan, it would be, well, we'll wait till 2025 to be successful because that was their plan. I, I really believe that. So. Uh, what I'm saying is, though, um, you are, you're not you're not ch you're not changing your plan in midstream here. You're just moving moving up the timeline a little mm -hmm. bit because you have more information. You, you you have more facts at your disposal. You're yeah. You're just you're you're just moving it up a little bit. So, um, so anyway, we're we're kind of dancing around what the Reds need to do, and obviously the answer. I mean, there's no no question whatsoever. They got to get the pitching. Hash Brown get the pitching. Um, this pitching staff is, yes, they've kept them in some of these games recently. They've been in some some instances better than we expected, but they have to get the pitching. And I guess one uh, one positive note is there were some rumors last week that the Reds had at least reached out to the White Sox, who have a couple of maybe even three pitchers that I'd be I would be uh, intrigued uh, up to uh, at least kick the tires on. Now, whether the Sox are going to end up trading those, I don't know. But there were rumors the Reds are at least out there looking. Um, we got news this week that uh, Hunter Green is uh, going to be back sometime in August, quote-unquote. Sometime in August, and then Nicoladolo a little further behind. Could it even be September? Um, 
I just say this. I would not, if I were the Reds, I would not count on either of those guys being back. And if they do come back, great. I think the Reds want to be serious. They need to at least get two. And I'm not talking about going out and getting Shohei Otani, although, oh my goodness, please. (laughs) But I'm just talking about getting me two dependable big league starters. And then Green and Lodola do come back. We're in good shape. Go out and get me at least one, maybe two relievers if you can. Um, I think if you do that, it shows a real commitment here. Um, It doesn't break the bank either. And yes, you may have to give up someone. You may have to give up Chase Petty. I don't care if get trade. Some people say, I don't want him to trade Noel V. Marte either. I'm like, whatever, trade him. I don't care. He's not a red yet. Go get somebody that's going to be a red. Uh, and he may be, and he may be a star, but okay. That's what prospects are. I keep telling you all, you, the prospect huggers are wearing me out. Nobody because- raised Kane when they traded Steven Hajar and that other guy whose name I don't remember because he didn't play for the team long enough for Will Benson. <laughs> We'll never think about it. He may become a star and be like somebody. Go, oh yeah, he was a red second round pick, Justin Boyd. Um, I don't care. I, I just I, I don't I don't care if you trade any of them. There's one player in this organization. I've never said anyone was untouchable, ever, until now. I would not trade Ellie De La Cruz under any circumstances. Just I, never. I would not right now. But anyone else, I don't care, and especially any of these minor league guys. Deal them, deal them. So anyway, any other thoughts about Cash Brown? Get the pitching. Um, real quick, our, our friend of the program, Clay Snowden over at Just Baseball, had a great article on uh, his thoughts on what the Reds should do at the deadline. I thought it was very reasonable, laid out a lot of options, a lot of the folks that are going to are likely to be available and what it might how it might fit into the Reds priorities and Reds plan. Um, other than that, I mean those White Sox guys, I love I'd love to have any of the three. I take a flyer on Lance Lynn. I would trade. One of my two cats. I, I love my cats. <laughs> for, for Dylan Cease. I'd, tra- yeah. I'd trade two of our brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I don't want to ask you which two you're talking about, though. But um, No, and no, we they, haven't mentioned too many do specific we, names. That's we true. Let's, maybe we should table that for a later episode when actually we can spend a little more research on specific guys. But, you know, Brandon Williamson has taken a step. It really looks like he's taken a step forward. You know, he was a big prospect. He's a top 100 guy. I'm not counting on him for a stretch run, but I love what I've been seeing for the last month or so out of him. So good for him. Hope it keeps it up. But Luke Weaver has been a dumpster fire. Even though the Reds somehow win his starts most of the time, he has been horrendous. He has only been marginally better than you or I would be because we would also not make it to the fifth inning. Ben Lively, (laughs) who I might be his biggest fan in the world. I'm loving the Ben Lively era. The guy wasn't in the league two years ago or a year ago. I don't expect him to be our savior come playoff baseball. But as rotation depth, yeah, sure. We have to have people. You don't want to go into a playoff series with Brandon Williamson and Ben Lively having to make having to make starts. Not this year. They got to do something. No, I think you're. I think that's a, a really good point, which is that if if the Reds had really thought they were going to contend this year, they could have gone out. The the Ben Livelys and the Brandon Williamsons are your number five starters, you know, in the mix to be your number five star maybe. Uh, and I, with, I'm with you on Williamson. You know, he is he's progressing. I mean, he's a he's a perfectly cromulent number five starter, frankly. Uh, no issues with that. Lively has been incredible, but uh, it's going to strike midnight, I fear, at some point. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't approve of him wearing those glass slippers on the mound, but I'm just I'm thinking that uh, 
his time might be up, but I hope not, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's why you got to go get, and, and the reason I was going to say we haven't mentioned many names and I don't know that it makes any sense to mention too many names because there's so many moving sense. parts. By the time we talk about it, something's changed. Something's in contention, something's out of contention. Some other team is, is offering more that the Reds just can't quite uh, match. Yeah. I, there are 14 you know. teams that want every player the Reds want. Right, right. But the Reds have something that every team doesn't. Good prospect depth and money to spend. So uh, the Reds should be players. There's, uh, don't let them tell you that we couldn't do it because it was t- too pricey. Um, they could do something if they want to do something. We'll see if they want to do something. Uh, so, Nate, uh, not really uh, much other to talk about in terms of roster moves. Uh, the Reds, uh, Tony Santion came up for that doubleheader. Levi Stout came up. Daniel Duarte went down. Whatever. The reliever carousel. The only other thing this week that I do want to talk about was the Reds had their Hall of Fame induction this week. Uh, the new members of the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. And, again, I am the world's foremost uh, authority on the Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, if you haven't been to the Hall of Fame Museum, what are you waiting for? I mean, it's just – it's the museum's incredible – and I love what they do with the Hall of Fame. This year, Bronson Arroyo, former Reds pitcher, another former Reds pitcher, Danny Graves, and executive Gabe Paul. Gabe, I thought Gabe Paul was a YouTuber. Or like he's, he's trying to box now. He's or a boxer, yeah. Yeah, I, I must be mistaken about that. He's a Reds Hall of Famer now. Um, no, those guys were all inducted. Congratulations to Arroyo, um, Graves, and, um, and Paul. Uh, you know, all deserving Reds Hall of Famers in my mind. Uh, Bronson Arroyo, clearly. I think Danny Graves is absolutely had a good enough career to be in the Reds Hall of Fame. I, I, Nate's giving me the the the, the stink eye, but um, uh, no comment. All right, I guess we're not going to be inviting Danny Graves onto the show anytime soon. Um, and Gabe Paul, who knows what an executive has to do to get in, but you know he had a distinguished career, and congrats to him. So. Um, do you have any quick thoughts? Uh, you want to slam Danny Graves here real quick before I move on to one last no. thing about the Hall of Fame? I actually do not have a problem with Danny Graves being <laughs> inducted. He was more of a product of a, of a rough stretch of fanhood than anything else. Um, his, I can imagine his career playing out far better than it even did if he had better teams to pitch for. Um, the, only, the only thing worth mentioning is something that I we bring up here all the time that I want you to wax poetic on the, uh, the one shining crime, in my opinion of the Reds hall of fame. Take it. Reggie Sanders. So we talk about it all the time. And I know we're not going to talk too long about it here, but it's obvious Reggie Sanders continues to be the biggest snub uh, in, in the Reds hall of fame. And it kind of wears me out. Uh, The Danny Graves thing does a little bit, not because Danny Graves is not, again, I think he's 100%. A good red, uh, a legitimate Reds Hall of Famer. I would have absolutely voted for him uh, under some circumstances. Um, he was added uh, on the veterans. He and and uh, Logan Paul were added on the uh, veterans committee this year over Reggie Sanders. And it's it's, it's not even close that re- uh, in terms of who deserves to be in it. Reggie Sanders is by far the best candidate. But what wears me out a little bit is that Danny Graves. You know, it ended kind of poorly for him in Cincinnati. He flipped off a fan. He was just not, he was persona non grata here for a long time. And yet when you talk about Reggie Sanders, everyone wants to talk about the the playoff series against the Braves where he was admittedly bad against three Hall of Fame pitchers. Um, And so uh, how Danny Graves work out of Red's jail and Reggie Sanders can't. So I don't know. Um, I don't mean to demean 
Danny Graves because, again, I really do think Danny Graves is a legit Red Hall of Famer. So uh, the way this works, just briefly, I want to talk about because the next election's coming up, and they have what's called the Modern Player Ballot, and they have the Veterans Committee. And Reggie Sanders is not eligible for the Modern Player Ballot. He's only eligible for the Veterans Committee now. So, um, first of all, he better, number one, I better be on the Veterans Committee. Um, also, go to chat. Makes me feel really old that Reggie Sanders can only be inducted by the Veterans Committee. I know, I know right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I did a little bit of a breakdown on, on the Modern Player Ballot, though. Uh, I'm going to do more of a breakdown at, at chaddotson.com at, at the Riverfront Newsletter, but um, about who's the, I'm going to do a breakdown of who, who the best available other than Reggie Sanders on the uh, Veterans Committee next year. But um, I went ahead and, and wrote this week a little bit about who is going to be picked on the modern player ballot next year. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty clear. I don't think it's going to be close because there's a new, new player becoming eligible. Um, but the way it works for those of you that don't understand is they, they induct people every other year. So what's going to happen is the election for the next one is going to take place in 2024. And the, the, the fan media reds alumni pick the modern player and the veterans committee picks the, any veterans that they're going to go in. Um, they don't qualify for modern player ballot and then they'll be inducted in 2025. So they have an election every other year and then an induction the following year. So next, the, the players who were on this last modern player ballot who didn't get selected, I expect that we'll probably have a good chance of being on the, the modern player ballot again next time. It's uh, Aaron Harang, Aaron Boone, um, Francisco Cordero, and um, Scott Rowland. So uh, to me, out of those four, Aaron Harang is a clear Reds Hall of Famer to me. The other ones, I can't quite get there. Um, yeah, Coco made a, a couple of all-star teams. Uh, so yeah, he, Aaron Boone was, you know, Pretty bad. Uh, he was he was a red. Scott Rowland was an important part of the Reds things, but he really only had one good like, three quarters of a season in Cincinnati. But he was part of a fun that 2010 team, and he was an all star. Um, and so, the, the, I expect those, those four will have a shot of being back on the ballot next time. Uh, the other guy is the new guy that's going to be on the the ballot is a slam dunk hall of fame candidate and i expect will win the modern player ballot vote next year um and that's gonna be brandon phillips yeah. so so bp is uh has an argument i think he's probably the third best second baseman in reds history but you can make a really good argument he's the second best second baseman in reds history behind of course d'angelo jimenez and um Stop. so i think he's gonna be a slam dunk so uh next time next time it's gonna be brandon phillips and reggie sanders are going in i'm gonna speak it into existence we'll certainly be I guess. speaking about it on here we will because I'm so irritated by Reggie Sanders getting snubbed. And I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Um, Reggie Sanders hasn't even, uh, you know, paid me to say that in months. And I'm still saying it. <laughs> Reggie Sanders never paid me to say that. All right. So, uh, Nate, you want to do some viewer mail? Yeah, let's rock. I'm ready. All right. Viewer mail. Uh, this week, as always, first of all, these questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront. Cincy. That's patreon.com slash riverfront sensi. And uh, this week, Nate, new addition to the uh to the family over there at uh at Patreon. This is always Ooh. exciting. New member of our beer league softball team. So um this guy Joe Atkinson. Good guy. Good guy. Good follow on Twitter. Um mm -hmm. uh, he uh he he asked me a question. 
on Twitter one day. And um, then he followed it up by saying, you know, I should probably just uh, subscribe to the Patreon if I'm going to, you know, pepper you with questions. And then very shortly after that, he signed up for a year, full year subscription, because you can get Joe a discount if you go for a legend. full year. <laughs> a legend. And he got into our Slack channel. We talk about the Slack channel all the time. And that's you know, a couple bucks a month you get access to our Slack channel. And uh, he jumped in. We have a bunch of it. We talk about the Reds in there, but we have a bunch of different what they call channels in there about college football, about, uh, you know, basketball, about the random topics, about uh, the uh, Immaculate books. Grid contest, books, right? The Immaculate Grid contest has been <laughs> in fuego. It's been crazy in there. Um, but we also have one about movies. And so Joe dipped into that one and said, Chad, if you just, if you just told me that there was a movie channel here, I would have been a, I was doing Patreon, you guys at Patreon a long time ago. So, so Joe is a uh, member of our beer league softball team now, Nate. And uh, he's, a, he, to me, he's a scrappy left-handed uh, reliever. I don't know why I think that, but he throws Ooh. hard, but he's a little wild and his hair is even wilder. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. What do you think? Am I wrong? Am I off base with Joe Atkinson? I like it. I, I initially thought about a little bit of second base action and the scrappiness fits there, but we had we had a second baseman recently that I had a really good spiel about, so I don't want to I don't want to tarnish that one. <laughs> so so I love that. I like to say he's a lefty reliever in the mold of a Ricky Carter. I don't remember if Ricky Carter left handed or right handed, but <laughs> he was right handed, but that's all right. Joe's gonna come into our lives. He's gonna make an impact, and we'll never forget it. <laughs> I think he probably has a little more command than Ricky a little Carter, more, but not and a little more staying power. That's right. That's right. He's going to be with us for a long time. Unlike Ricky Carter, who again, rest in peace. Uh, Joe, thank you so much, buddy. Really glad that you joined. I really enjoy getting to know you a little bit uh, in the Slack channel this week and uh, look forward to getting to know you even more in the coming weeks and months. First question, Mike Perry. Mike Perry says, what needs to happen this season in order for a movie to be made? about this team what needs to happen um do we see the reds going on a 20 game winning streak here in august and wrapping it up and then all of a sudden there's a nick crawl biopic coming out uh, next year starring who's well that's a, another question who stars as nick crawl in ed the, helms uh, ed helms is <laughs> absolutely Just ed helms that's perfect be. that's perfect so i don't know i think the reds are gonna have a money ball-esque streak and then Nick Crawlsman kind of become the new Billy Bean. Everyone's going to just laud him for his ability. And uh, there'll have to be a movie made of him starring Ed Helms. <laughs> I love it. I uh, I want to go just full on. This story is too good to pass up on. And I think the Reds need to sneak into the wild card. Late regular season winning streak to sneak into the wild card. Kind of like the Cardinals two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so then they have the nobody believes in a single. The rookies carry the team to the World Series. They're talking multiple walk-offs and multiple playoff games by rookies to keep that storyline going. And then it ends in a nail-biter of a World Series Game 7. I'm thinking one nine. Hunter, maybe Andrew Abbott throws a gem. And then bottom of the ninth, Joey Votto, walk-off bomb. And then he just rips his jersey off and disappears for the rest of his life. <laughs> Comes back like eight years later maybe and still wants to keep playing. Oh, he's got a big long beard. Yeah, he comes out of the winners. Yeah, he, he he rounds third. He crosses home plate. Everyone's celebrating, going nuts. He just walks out into the into the dugout, up to the clubhouse, out of the stadium, never to be seen again. That is the story right there. 
Oh, the legend of Joey Bottom. That's the perfect way. We set it up by the, you know, all the kids are thinking better than the old guy. Love it. That's it. Sign me up. I'll buy tickets uh, to watch uh, that movie on opening night. By the way, Nate, uh, got a couple of, uh, I purchased some tickets for a couple of movies this weekend. Double feature this weekend. You in? So surprised. I would love to be in. My better half is gone for uh, for a couple of weeks, so I am not allowed to watch the movies that you are going to watch without her. How pumped are you, though? Oh, man, we're doing a Barbie Oppenheimer double feature. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Already early, early returns, at least on Barbie. I haven't seen anything about Oppenheimer. Early returns, strong. Uh, Greta Gerwig uh, starring Speaking there. Speaking of movies, we just went and saw Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 together. I got to say, huge fan. Loved it. Thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Very good. Um, a little long, as I think you've noted, but um, but uh, man, that how that last last thirty minutes, how crazy was that? I got the letterbox and I gave it three and a half stars because I want to wait and see how they land the plane on part two before I bump it up to a four. I gave it four, but I, I reserve the right to uh, bump it back a little bit if they don't land the plane. But anyway, okay. next question from Nathan Connor: Good or bad? One week does not make a season. Example: Reality lies somewhere between this past week and the week before the break. If you pause and think big picture, do you feel differently about the go for it now mentality? The new mantra is supposed to be sustained competitiveness. Let me just briefly say my answer to this is I don't think any differently of it. As we've already talked about, I think the Reds need to go for it now because, frankly, I don't trust this ownership group to do what it takes to have, quote-unquote, sustained competitiveness. Now, I hope that they, they proved me wrong about some things recently. The ownership group hasn't, but uh, the baseball ops staff, staff has. Um, but I, do I think they can really have a run of sustained competitiveness? I'm not there yet. I hope so. So I think, like I said earlier, I think we need to strike while the iron's hot. Go for it now. Yeah. I would just say that they can have a run of sustained competitiveness and also go for it now. Thank you. They graduated six top 100 prospects prospects this season and still have a top five farm system. And they had the number one draft in all of major leagues, according to just about everything that I've been reading. I feel no differently at all. They're a game and a half back in the central or two and a half. They're one back in the wild card. This is a good team with a chance to make it. And once you make it, anything can happen. We talk about it all the time. The system's deep. They've got these guys locked up. Andrew Abbott was the fifth guy that I was trying to think of earlier until 2029. You know how far away that is? They have five core pieces, six got 100 green, locked up for like a decade, half a decade. Go for it. Yeah. Get some dudes. Fill it around the edges. Let's go. Let's make a run for it because the team will still be deep next year and the next year and the next year. Tired of this nonsense. Absolutely, 100%. Next question <laughs> comes from Kyle Kapler. Is there any sort of justification for keeping Kirk Casale on the roster? Or do you think he's toast when Kevin Newman, presuming Kevin Newman does come back from his uh, epic bout with gastritis? The ripple effect points towards Stevenson playing more catcher and more and more catcher. No one uh, but an infield should start, but an infielder should start at DH going forward. I I, I don't read good. Um, to keep the better bats in the lineup, so it should squeeze Casale off the roster, but he remains. What gives? I, I think I would maybe push back just a little bit and say, why Casale? Because Casale's been bad. I mean, he's he's he's, he's not been good with the bat. Um, Luke Maley has been bad. 
I don't know I, why, why are we choosing Casale over Maley because he's been slightly better with the bat. He's not younger. Um, is to me, it comes down to who handles the pitchers better. And I would, I don't know this, but there has been praise of Casale's ability. Uh, not, you know, Maley's got a gun, he's got an arm. I don't have any issues with Maley in that backup pitcher role, but I don't care if he, who the rest do need to, first of all, get rid of one of them. This three catcher thing is nonsense, but, uh, uh, I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? Is Casale? I, I think should, um, he, should he be gone. I think it is Casale that should be gone. I think the Reds front office showed that to us when they went out and got Luke Maley first this offseason. So he was signed before Casale was. So I think they're higher on him. Um, I, I'm a little bit higher. I love Casale, but the guy batted like three times the entire month of June or something like that. Some absurd number. He's not really in their plans anyway. So if they're already saying they would rather trot Luke Maley out there, I'm going to stop pretending that Luke Maley is Johnny Bench. He's, 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 he was hot at the beginning of the year, but he's, he's not a good hitter. Um, Like you said, it's got to be one. It's got to be one of them. I don't understand that the roster's too deep. It's too good. I don't know how you can continue justifying keeping those two on there. Kevin Newman going to the IL made it so they didn't have to make a decision yet. They're just kicking that can down the road. They're going to have to eventually, and it seems obvious to me. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe um, in, in the in the category of what have you done for me lately? Uh, today in the in the five one win for the Reds, Luke Maley did go three for four, hit a home run his fourth of the year. So maybe he's uh, I don't know. I guess I don't care. They're both old guys. Neither of them have a real future other than as a backup catcher. I guess my I guess my point here is um, more directly to to Kyle's question. I don't really care. One of them. I, I don't want to see anyone lose their job. I'm not calling for anyone to lose their job, but it makes no sense with this much offensive firepower to carry three catchers. It just make it, it if it ever made sense, it certainly doesn't any longer. Yeah, I think that was an important point that Kyle said is that um, you know, no one but an infielder should start at DH. Tyler Stevenson is which is a conversation we might need to start having sometime soon, has not hit well enough to justify getting a DH role three, four times a week. So it needs to be behind the dish. Uh, yes, I agree 100%. I, I think those that are giving up on Tyler Stevenson as a hitter are uh, woefully underinformed, is my Ooh, opinion. Ish. But I agree. He certainly hasn't hit this year. Uh, just by playing at DH over any, any of these other myriad guys the Reds have. Next question from Joey Gaditza. Will we see Antone at some point this season? I really hope so. He was always fun to watch. Nate, what's an Antone? <laughs> I think it's a character from The Sopranos. Oh, okay. Antone. Yeah, he uh, he helps manage the bada-bing, I think. <laughs> um, TJ Antone, I presume he means. Um, I'm going to say no, just because I've given up being optimistic about TJ Antone, and I, I want to be surprised. I hope he comes back. But Yeah, that's, that's the safe bet. There's some rumors out there he could be back as early as August 19th, if that's considered early. I would just caution anybody out there that's getting excited don't let me steal your joy. Be excited. That's what sports is for. But he hasn't pitched in the majors since 2021, and he only has 69 career innings pitched. So anything we get out of TJ Antone, that's just a bonus. It is. No, that that would be you know that'd be a fantastic bonus icing on the cake. But yeah, temper your expectations. But hopefully, because when he was good, he was very good. James Urban asks: Was this losing streak because we claimed to be America's team? Nothing good ever comes of that. Nothing good ever comes of that. 
I think the Dallas Cowboys would disagree with you, Jake. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, maybe not. <laughs> well, in the 1980s, the Atlanta Braves called themselves America's team when they were on TBS. Oh, no, they were they were bad during the 80s. All right. As much as I hate to admit it, James um, sort of spewed out some elderly musings to this week and uh, actually hit somewhere close to the, the mark, and nothing good ever comes of it. But no, it was not because they claimed to be America's team. Um, I still love that America's team nonsense. It's a bunch of kids having fun. And I know James, I know you don't understand kids these days because of your advanced age. Um, I'm sorry. James is so much younger than me and he's going <laughs> to, he's going to be mad at me again in the Slack channel. Um, James is one of my favorites and uh, I'm sorry. You just, you became a running gag. Uh, your age did when you're so incre- terribly young here uh, compared to me. Uh no, I don't have any issue with that at all. I, lo- I love, it. I still love the America's team. So I know some people didn't, then whatever. You're fine, whatever. I just, I like the kids having fun. Yeah, I took a hard zag on this one. The uh, the winning streak stopped when they stopped bringing it up after every game. There you go. So we got, we got to lean harder into the America's team. Next question comes from Andrew Williams. Nate, I want I want you to answer this one. Here's what Andrew asks: Forty three year old Adam Dunn comes out of retirement. Starts a full TRT cycle um, and uh, and takes Adderall before games. Now, we don't recommend any of this, okay? We're, we're, we're seeing what Adam Dunn might do when he puts the Bud Lights down and uh, comes out of retirement. The question from Andrew is, how many taters does he hit? <laughs> now, I assume he's talking about uh, home runs because I can see Adam Dunn in a field somewhere down in, in Texas. Someone pitching him potatoes. Yeah. So, what do you think, Nate? How many taters does he hit? Well, first off, I don't love that this question implies that Adam Dunn needs testosterone replacement therapy. There's never been a high T guy. <laughs> Adam Dunn is it. Yeah. But I think to answer the question, if he got rejuvenated with his own testosterone from when he was 21 years old, so let's let's get let's get oh serious my. here. I think he breaks the single season home run record in September, but that's only because he didn't return until after the All Star break and he only played part time. <laughs> Exactly. I think yes. he breaks the all-time home run record sometime like late next August. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Nate, you know, testosterone replacement therapy. Do you think that? Uh, I, I think that would be a more popular uh, procedure if they actually used Adam Dunn's testosterone in uh, other. Can you oh, imagine yeah. using Adam? Uh, buddy, I signed me up for that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Todd somebody, Simmons. Somebody cut that clip out and send it to Adam Dunn. Oh, no. Like, please, oh, God. Please don't. He'll have a restraining order against me quicker than you can say uh, Adderall. I don't know what you can say. Taj Simmons, by the way, <laughs> probably the best name in our family at, uh, at Patreon. Taj Simmons asks this. Have you ever seen a player struggle so much like Will Benson has, then come back and look this good? First of all, he does look good. Okay. He looks good as a baseball player, too, but. Will Benson looks good. Uh, ever seen a player struggle that much and then come back to look this good? I don't know. I could. I tried to think, and maybe you came up with someone. I couldn't think of anyone that looked so bad. And it was a short, small, small sample size, but he looked so overmatched. And then within a matter of weeks, he's uh, one of the better hitters on the team. Could, could you come up with anyone? I tried, and I couldn't. I couldn't think of anybody that looked bad in that they just struggled. They just looked completely overwhelmed and then decided that they weren't. I mean, Josh Hamilton popped out to me bad for very different reasons, not anywhere close to comparable. But I don't know. Will Benson just another another super high T guy. 
Yeah. No, I like the Hamilton. Uh, that's you know, a guy that everybody sort of gave up on. Um, and then and he he was even better than Will Benson is now. Will Benson will clearly become a much Obviously. better player than Josh Hamilton in the long run. But um, good question. All right, a couple more really quickly here. Number one, Rex Scott. Why don't we hear more about the Reds trying to acquire Jack Flaherty from the cards? Having a starter who knows the division would be cool. Same for Smiley or Stroman with the Cubs. Does this make too much sense for the Reds' front office? I'll let you respond however you want, Nate, but I, I'm not going to address the question. All I'm going to say is, Rex, I need you to um, turn in your uh, Riverfront membership card at the do- at the front desk, okay? Uh, we will uh, refund you your, your membership dues uh, that you uh, – for the you know uh, what you've already paid any prorated amount. If you're trying to suggest the Reds need to get Cubs and Cardinals onto this roster, how dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you, Rex? You are on my bad list now. James Urban, you're my favorite. Rex has taken your spot. Rex, you are out. I've had it all I can take of Rex Scott. Please, Nate, edit this out before we post this. Um, what Chad meant to say was, uh, vote for Rex Scott as your Arizona supervisor. Um, exactly. Um, I don't know about Flaherty. Like, he's kind of put together a, a, a nice string lately, but I just don't like his face. He just kind of <laughs> seems like a beehole to me. <laughs> I don't know why. He's just like a little bit cold in his interviews. Um, teammates seem to like him. I actually looked into it a little bit. He's, he seems fine, but I don't want any Cardinals. Um, I would actually love the uh, the the smiley call. I think Drew Smiley would be. A great pick. Mutual option, so probably not sticking around if he pitches well, but I think he could be had for relatively cheap. Stroman would obviously be incredible, but he is already lobbying in the media for the Cubs to pay him more, so he's definitely not re-signing in the offseason, and I think he's probably the top starter available, the top rental at least, so he's going to cost a hefty amount. Mostly, interdivision trades are just really hard to pull off. They are, and uh, yeah, Stroman's a guy that I've been wanting to risk it for years. I mean, he's he's always been that guy that I thought would look great in a in a Reds uniform. And and I guess I do need to say here, I have uh, I just uh, received a, a phone call from the home office, and I need to retract the previous statement. Okay, Rick Scott is actually a really great guy, and I've been informed that I didn't mean what I said, and I apologize. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. One last question, and we I did something um, foolish this week, Nate. Because, you know, at Patreon, we post the uh, the request for, for questions every week. And this week, I said, oh, kind of a rough week. I scheduled this, the post, before the Reds had actually beaten the Giants on Wednesday night. So the Reds were still on their losing streak. So I was like, meh, rough week. But uh, why don't you give us some creative questions to help us get through this rough week? And then the Reds go and win two games. But I gave Rich Thompson an opening uh, to be creative. And, and you just don't want to do that. So this is our final question. Um this is a classic Rich Thompson question. This is a, and if you've listened for any amount of time, you know, I shouldn't say this because Rich is going to try to top himself next week. So he's a, so you want a creative question? Which of the following play? And I, I I'm going to say off the top, I have no idea what this question is. <laughs> I, this is so out in left field, Rich. I love you, buddy, but this is out in left field. This is this is like you asked AI to ask the craziest question ever, and it, <laughs> this is what it came up with. Um. Which of the following players would crack you up the most wearing the following cartoon character t-shirts as part of a post-game interview? That's <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on in Rich's head. A, Stuart Fairchild wearing a uh, Stewie Family Guy t-shirt. 
B, Jake Fraley wearing a Captain Caveman t-shirt. That's from my era. Or C, Joey Votto wearing a Dudley Do-Right t-shirt. Remember, you asked for it. Yes, we did ask for it. Um, there's no one answer for me, Nate, but what do you got? I mean, Joey Votto's already done the uh, the Mountie thing, so I'll, I'll go with Joey, but man, we've gone so far off the rails. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> I'm, I'm All right, so what we're going to do is we need to market a... Uh, a Jake Fraley Captain Caveman T-shirt at the Riverfront Shop at RiverfrontCincy.com. There we go. Nate, what else is going on around the Riverfront these days? Oh man, it's, uh, Joe and Greg dropped the new Riverfront Bangle Show podcast. That was fire. Some really exciting things on the horizon over with Tim Daniel and Late Night Red. Some uh, some some guest announcements. That I think everybody's going to get a big big kick out of. And then we'll be back with another uh, you know quick bonus episode. I think next week or the week after. Just we're pounding away. We're plugging. Have a good time. So most importantly, thanks to our friends at SeatGeek, code Riverfront for $20 off your first purchase. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Our pro. Friends at SeatGeek. I'm a, such a pro. You are. You slipped that right in, man. <laughs> Just a beautiful live read. Tell you. Um, so, yeah. Uh, certainly the Riverfront Bengal show this week. Oh, man. You got to go listen to that. It was a good one. And then, uh, yeah, big uh, guest announcement or two coming up. Uh, listen this weekend to the Late Night Red show. And then. Maybe next week here on this show, we may have another uh, announcement about mm. possibly something happening mm. with the Riverfront, assuming oh. I ever get off my butt and make a decision on everything. So yeah, it's all my fault. And I, I concede that. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening to and supporting the Riverfront. Please tell your friends about us. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. That is the way to uh, to grow a podcast. Got to talk, talk about it. Got to tell your friends. Um, a good recommendation uh, to, to another Reds fan is the way to grow this audience. Please remember to subscribe to the show, either on YouTube, your favorite podcast app. And then, of course, you can find us everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Riverfront Cincy, at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. And then finally, we've mentioned a few times, but thank you so much to our friends at Patreon. Nate, hey, look, we're going to keep having fun. This team is still fun. I don't care, right? Any final thoughts about how fun this team is? Joey Votto still banks. Oh, my goodness, he banks. Just banging left and right. Shouts to Adam Dunn, shouts to Lisa Alberto Bonilla, Wayne Krinchicki, Eli Cash, and of course, everyone's friend, L.A. De La Cruz. I started to say that crazy like I used to with Lisa Alberto. I couldn't couldn't pull it off, Nate. I'll save that for next week. For Nate Dotson. And <laughs> for Nate Dotson and uh, Roberto Pettigini. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>